0: So if in episode number three in Alice in Gothic Land, The Road to Self-Recognition, we talked about some of the Gothic elements in Midnight Mass, such as location, the sublime, and all the elements that started filtering in these other spaces, because this is one of the characteristics of the Gothic, as you saw in episode three. In episode four, talking to um, Tuche, again we're going to be analyzing in depth the uncanny and identity you're going to see also how the otherness filters there Uh, it's unavoidable and we're going to tell you all about that not without some humor not without some serious moments because we are just a little bit crazy but that's why you keep coming back to us there are some surprises so come and see what those surprises are gonna be because we have some some announcements to do as well. So if you are ready to um, discover the Gothic elements in this Southern in this uh, southern Gothic, in American Southern Gothic of Midnight Mass, this episode number four is for you, my friends. So I'll see you there.
1: Hello, Tucci,
0: Tucci, Tucci. Hello. <laughs> what you Hello. Tucci. <laughs> Tucci, 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 Tucci. It's, it's on, like Che
1: Guevara. Like... Che Guevara, guys. Two. Tucci. Imagine two Che Guevaras. So two che. Oh, that's terrible. It's, so it's,
0: it's so easy. It's so easy, guys. <laughs> the surname. The surname, please. Yeah. How do you find the surname? Kutlu. Kutlu, Kutlu. So I said right. The, right, the yeah. last video I messed up. I edited it because I call you Cthulhu, Like, I, Couture, I Is that <laughs> H.P. Lovecraft? Like, what? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> oh my
1: god! Oh my god! It's very Lovecraftian. My surname is very Lovecraftian, I know, I know, I'm over yeah, it. My
0: mind was thinking, I'm over I'm a little bit of Lovecraftian. <laughs> <laughs> We're having <laughs> an identity crisis right now, because just before we sat in power, yeah. everybody, welcome to Alice in Gothic land, <laughs> in the, the road to self-recognition, we are today with Kuchik Kutlu, not cthulhu or cthulhu or anything like that we don't do lovecraft not yet not yet
1: not yet <laughs> yeah.
0: not yet and before we just uh, opened up the microphones in the camera we were just talking about the sublime because this is how we left it and we were just laughing at our thoughts and our tastes and and and, and to change all of a sudden changing um, personalities. personality she became this first
1: in harry potter from, from harry potter universe i was like follow
0: me mr potter like where do you follow me where where am i going like what the hell we were looking at these paintings i was showing her my sublime painting and, and-, 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 and I was very beautiful in- very beautiful painting exactly one of was- my favorites as well yeah wanderer or the one over the really sea good of, really good i'm getting it right so you can see the reflection it's a bit distracting okay. but yeah because it's got a glass thing uh so yeah we were saying that that's for me the sublime and, and for the and romantic for me, is, for this, the is this i'm setting it on
1: fire no this is not <laughs> actually a fire guys so <laughs> don't try this at home please and I was showing her my favorite from Renoir. It's called The Skiff. And as you can see, this is Riley and Erin's final moments.
0: That's why you like that so much, because you like that painting yes. so much. And yes,
1: then... I know. Like it isn't the same, like really lovely day, lovely people just hanging around the boat, hanging around the skiff, but then
0: suddenly one. Fire! <laughs> <laughs> Remember that this, uh, we do spoilers, because if not, we wouldn't have so much fun. So we recommend that you either have watched it or that you you don't care about having spoilers or not. Because... <laughs> going because? Back to the- he's got this as well, the lantern. So, okay, now, are you the vampire or, or the priest? Because look, you've got the torch. So almost yeah, I've got the torch. I
1: oh, I'm hopefully uh, I'm not the monster. <laughs> no, not I, I'm hoping because I'm the one holding the holding the lights. So, so I must, be the, police, the right? I must be the priest, right? I must be the I'm I must be the Monsignor. So welcome, uh, yeah. yeah, because so the I'm, vampire. I mean, do I look like the vampire i hope not uh, <laughs> you're, no, well, you're like true. oh you look like a vampire a lot
0: <laughs> no look i'm the pale one here so, <laughs> with these lines so um, uh, uh, yes after i'm drinking coffee so i'm the one with the bad breath so. <laughs> not, no no coffee. I
1: mean, coffee i mean coffee coffee, coffee does, does that to everybody coffee does that yes, to everybody
0: that's so it. I drink
1: tea you
0: have some tea <laughs> and coffee and tea and ching ching for you so we're going for chin chin. Part four. <laughs> we're doing part four of this mini series talking to today about midnight mask, spoilers lots of spoilers as you know but if this is the first time that you land on this video then uh, you're very welcome to come in our house <laughs> and uh, leave some of your happiness that you bring with <laughs> you <laughs> Uh, so yes, what do, we do we
1: You won't need it. that here. You won't need that happiness here.
0: That's so true. No, because we are all about grief, horror. Um we don't cry, you know, but we could do because it's a lot of things to cry, about. cry
1: about. We cry you know. laughing sometimes.
0: Yeah, that definitely. So what we're doing here, we just uh, interviewing, we talk, we're talking, we time we're learning loads of things. I'm certainly I'm learning loads, loads of things with touching this mini series. We were gonna do just one just to talk about midnight mass, but then so many things we can relate to midnight mass that we just keep doing programs and programs and God knows how long we're gonna be with this because <laughs> We can do a lot of references to a lot of other things in our lives. Yeah. So it's like case uh, we will be 60
1: the- years old and still be talking about midnight mass.
0: Can you imagine? <laughs> the candle. <laughs> with the candle. Before- Me with the candle. <laughs> Before we proceed, supporters, people, if you're learning, if you're having fun, if you are ticking, your brain is ticking and you find that this is a place where you can actually work on your fears and your identity support oh, us awesome. on our coffee page I've got like, uh, romantic number 1402 valentine's day i don't know why coffee decided started that <laughs> but support us there and then uh, we can continue creating good stuff for you and if you were here on episode 3 we mentioned that for those who would like to talk to us live, we are thinking of doing a live event to put together maybe the best moments, the best parts, but also for people to ask questions. Maybe you have suggestions of other things you would like to talk about and bring them to this live event that we will soon tell you when it's going to happen. Then, hey, this is something new and we will give you all the information. So keep an eye and this is coming very, very soon. Episode four. We're going to talk about the uncanny identity because we will not have time to talk about the supernatural and otherness, I don't think. So, I think also we will leave um, the supernatural is coming into all the other topics, and so is otherness. But I think they need like their own space. And then, probably, it's going to be episode five with those other two elements, and episode six is going to have to be for characters. Even though we're talking about the characters as we're going along, because it's obviously we can't just mm, separate things and chop them up, chop them up so much that that then we get um, you know, the characters are appearing all the time. But then there are aspects of identity that will come up as the characters with the characters as well. So yes, the uncanny, we have to mention our friend Simon that you mentioned him before. And I've called this. Yeah, I have. This this part the unfamiliar familiar because mm-hmm. of the series. I, I know there's a lot unheimlich,
1: of heimlich, <laughs> in German. Right. Let's Correct. talk about talk a little bit German for our German friends out there. Yeah,
0: can you speak German? Uh, can you can
1: speak, we, can't speak German?
0: German. No, you. Do you, you speak- I
1: could oh yeah yeah i i did get german uh in high school for a year yeah i did oh, nice. so we could go to Hallo, hello yes suddenly suddenly this it turns into a german lesson yeah yes.
0: <laughs> well we like languages so we get multinational here <laughs> yeah i love languages so much it's good it's good yeah, you're right. The here. This is actually I'm gonna quote my very good friend as well, Tracy Fahi. I talk about it all the time. Um she thinks I'm her stalker, but we're really good friends. Uh, <laughs> because I just I just talk about it all the time. Is she
1: is she know. aware is is, is Tracy uh, aware that yeah, you're yeah, good yeah, friends? <laughs> Okay. Yeah, she's
0: aware. And she, yes, we have our accountability group with uh, together with uh, Justin Park, another writer. He's a horror writer and editor, and he's got an editorial as well, a little publishing company. And uh, we do these accountability groups once a month now, and she knows I talk about them all the time. They're like my god parents here. <laughs> and, <laughs> Tracy has a great book, um, she's got a few books in fact, but she's got this one, the Umheimliche Manus in the Dark, and she's got a, like, a little introductory chapter too, an introduction and then an introductory chapter, like a mini essay mm, that she talks about these aspects of the Umheimliche because of her book and also because of the way she works on, on the Gothic. And she says that um, this Unheimliche was based on an essay called On the Psychology of the Uncanny, written in 1906. But this Mm -hmm. was written by Ernst Jens, who defined Uncanny as a fear of of the unfamiliar, and that Freud took this to the next level, saying that Uncanny is in reality nothing new or foreign, but something familiar and old established in the mind that has been estranged only by the process of repression. Uh, so some of the motifs, she says, that derived from the uncanny and gave its more poignant characteristics, where the doppelgangers, uh, oh, what all these lives now, hang on, doppelgangers, dolls, deshavus, corpses, invisible illnesses, the return of the repressed homes that are haunted not only by spectres but memories and secrets and anxieties are recur repeatedly. And I love the way she works on these on her books. So I shout so here to Tracy and all her books because they are fantastic. And I will put the links on the <clears throat> on the video as well. So, yes, I, I collected these ideas because of, again, of what, what we're talking about here today, the Midnight Mass, yeah. and I can see uh, when I was looking for the information That these elements really resonate with Midnight Mass again. But I'll let you now elaborate on your uh, idea and knowledge of the uncanny, and then we'll complement that if you want.
1: Of course. I mean, uh, it's really, uh, it's a really fascinating thing, uncanny. And I had to uh, really research it for my dissertation on grief and horror films because Mm -hmm. uh, death is also something, decaying bodies, death, and all things that should be familiar to us, but are also unfamiliar. And, uh, of course, Freud's essay, uh, according to sources, and, of course, the essay itself, is written in two parts. And Mm -hmm. the first part, it looks at the words of heimlich and unheimlich uh the, you can translate it as uh, homely and unhomely uh, as it you know directly translates into English and mm-hmm. uh, I think there th- the essay in the first part it talks about its uses and how these words are used in other languages and uh, in the second part, Freud talks about, you know, people and things and self-expressions, you know, experiences and situations that best represent the feeling of uncanny. Mm -hmm. And uh, Freud talks about a short story here, uh, The Sandman by E.T.A. Hoffman, which is Mm -hmm. very important. It's a tale that uh, parents would tell their children that uh, will make them go to sleep because the story goes that the child must be asleep for the Sandman to put sand in the child's eyes. If they're not asleep, the Sandman will take out their eyes. I mean, come on. That's not a bedtime story. That's a horror story. And (laughs) the protagonist of the story is a boy named Nathaniel. And his fate eventually does fall to the Sandman losing not only his side but his sanity, then his life. Freud asserts that the removal of the eyes alludes to an infantile fear of castration. And you know how Freud feels about yeah. castration. He talks about it all the time. He talks about dicks and he talks about castration all the time. <laughs> and, <laughs> but the castration complex is masked by a fear of losing a different sensitive organ, the eyes. The same theme is present in the tragedy of Oedipus, another thing that, another person that Freud talks about at length, Oedipus and Oedipal complex. And as you said uh, yourself, Freud talks about, also talks about the double, doppelganger in German. And uh, of course uh, it, it was for at first used by Otto Rank in 1914 in psychoanalytic literature but then Freud writes that doppelgangers can be found in mirrors, shadows, guardian spirits with the belief in the soul and the fear of death. The idea of the eternal soul allows us an energetic denial of the power of death. This was the first double of the body from having been an assurance of immortality. It becomes the uncanny harbinger of death. And this is so important, uh, considering that we are looking at a show where uh, immortality is the main theme. And uh, immortality and, you know, the body, uh, Mm -hmm. the double of the body, and it becomes, you know, this uncanny harbinger of death is very important. You can see it in the, you know, uh, adaptation uh, of, you know, this, this uh, big screen, um, uh, this TV show that uh, talks about the uncanny in a way that there is an eerie kind of church and there's an eerie kind of cave. Like everything is eerie and creepy and, and unfamiliar and familiar at the same time. You know, the, we have the pastor who is very familiar, but also unfamiliar because he's not himself but the main uh, question here is the that uncanny our relationship with death itself is uncanny and uh that is shown in the show quite a lot and uh because as i i think i mentioned it before like there are two experiences in life that we will all get to share together one is birth and the other one is death. But we talk about birth a lot, but we don't like to talk about death so much. That's and yeah, <laughs> but it's not so familiar to us actually. But it's yeah. also, as, as it is familiar, it's also unfamiliar because we haven't been through it, not yet. Uh, and after we are you know, familiar with it, we can't talk about it because we, we are gone. And uh, no one is left to tell the story. And I I love that Freud, uh, for example, Freud calls uncanny as this. Uncanny is in reality, nothing new or alien, but something which is familiar and all established in the mind and which has become alienated from it only through the process of, of repression and repression is important in Freud a lot because uh, you know he talks about the return of the repressed and uh, you cannot repress something forever according to Freud it will return in some form or another and uh, in this case in this case death uh, death is the one that's that's been trying uh, they, they are trying to repress death but they can't it will return and it will return with a vengeance i mean uh, there are a lot of a lot of other films for example final destination where yes. they're trying to avoid death they're trying <laughs> to avoid death and that is like no i'm going to kill you worse now even worse than i would have been before that before then you would just have a plane crash but now i will put a glass in your eye or like some other gruesome death and it basically takes revenge on the living and uh, this show is also about what is familiar and what is unfamiliar there is you know uh, there is the home there is the church church should be a familiar place But then you see this angel or vampire or whatever in white robes in the church and it's a very eerie looking creature and it's unfamiliar, totally unfamiliar in in a familiar setting and everyone is like, what the hell is that? Like, what is that creature doing here? And the only ones who are not affected by it that are the ones that already know that this creature exists. And uh, so we see a lot uh, of unfamiliarity and familiarity in the, in the show in quite uh, different ways. And as, yeah. as it says, you know, uh, the repression is also there and yeah. repression of the memories are also there. In the show, uh, this uh, Riley tries to repress the memory of the of the girl that she killed. He killed, and uh, but it comes back to haunt him forever. It just you know he can't escape uh, that stare. But the only time that he feels at peace is when he's dying. He's dying yeah. and he sees the girl, and the girl is somehow giving a peaceful smile, and then he just poof goes away into dust and into whatever unfamiliar thing that yeah, we, don't, we, don't, yeah. we don't know, we don't know, and no. whatever uncanny thing that we don't know. And um, of course, there's Aaron. Aaron is also having, you know, childhood memories that he she's uh, also she's a domestic abuse survivor so there's a lot of repression in the show if you look at yeah. it that way and yeah. uh, then there's father paul who's trying to repress the fact that he was attacked by a vampire and <laughs> tries to see it as a blessing by an angel and that is just uh no no that's just a big no no, no. And, of course, there is the repression of sex, the, the, the thing that Freud talks about the most. We yeah. don't see any sex in the show.
0: Like, That's
1: why? True.
0: Why? Why? Why do you I think that is? Yeah, yeah, i have not thought of that, actually. But, yeah, we have Erin yeah. and um, I think you don't do they in there. Anyway. Riley. We
1: see Erin and Riley, but we don't see any sex scenes in the show.
0: no. No, and I think actually they do not have sex. They just sleep because they keep each other's company. In a way, it's kind of, it's nice because everything that you see in every show or film you see, there's always, always, always a sex scene. And it it just reminded me of, um, I don't know if you've seen it once upon a time, these fairy tales. Oh, fairy tale, I know, I know. And that it was very good because at some point, imagine I was watching. I watched True Blood, and then I watched that. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, the then, polar opposites! Exactly. It was like that's a nice break from so much sex and killing, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it was nice because, as you said, it was a, a bit of a break, and mm-hmm. maybe the childish mentality of you know kids i don't know where of sex until they start growing up they they're aware of that they know the parents do things but they don't know how this works but it's true that it's kind of an offensive uh way maybe because them too when we talk about the characters maybe they need these looking after after each other without the sexual connotations there even though erin is pregnant maybe that's the only sexual connotation we have Apart from Bev going fornicators and all that. that.
1: (laughs) Bev, oh my god. Do not make me... I think the monster, as I said before, the monster of the show is Bev definitely. I mean, I'm not talking about the vampire at all. Vampire is just there doing its nature stuff. Bev is supposed to be a human being but she's not.
0: We need to dedicate time to Bev on her own because she's just got so much trauma the poor lady that that, uh, well, Carl Jung there uh, will find his own field, but we, we'll get to that. Yes, she that has moment. so many problems. She has so a many lot. Problems. But she represents a type of society that yeah. we still have them there. Yeah, and they do, do a lot of, of When you're talking about, before we move to the next slide, um, you mentioned um, that how birth and, de- and death they similar, but we don't talk about death and yet we talk about birth. And you made me think that. Yeah, sure. Even birth is that thing that you cannot avoid talking about because that's it. You you give birth and there's a lot of things going on around the birth of a person. So you have all the planning, the preparation before it's even there. And then all you have your, all the scans, all the tests and all the building up to this moment. But then um, there's a moment when the child is born. Mm-hmm. People do not talk about the birth experience itself. They talk about, oh, look at the baby, mm-hmm. Sal, how beautiful. But I always find annoying, extremely annoying. And I understand that some women actually have a wonderful time giving birth. I don't know how, but they do. Some of them are so lucky that they just give birth. Uh, they have the contractions sometime, time, the baby comes out on time and they just wonderful. Okay. That wasn't my experience <laughs> and probably 98 percent of the population yeah. is the not like that. And it is pretty annoying when you are walking in the street and you meet finally this lady that is giving birth and you saying, how was the birth moment? We have these, these. A morbid interest on how do you give <laughs> birth kind of thing to compare it? Yes, yes, and they go, you know, I'm expecting all the blood, the codes, the stitches, the moment, the i I'm waiting for those moments, those explanations, and they just go, Oh, it just was wonderful, so quick. How many hours <laughs> of labor do you spend? Oh, only 15. <laughs> what?
1: I Only mean, fifteen.
0: Exactly. It's like woman. If you were lucky, you know, if you're lucky, it, it, it'll be quick. But even then, it's a traumatizing yeah, moment. I love my children. Really? My children. You know, I would do it all over again. If <laughs> I as long as I remember, would but you?
1: Would, would you do it all over Not so again? Sure.
0: <laughs> Not sure. But the thing is that the birth moment is traumatizing Uh, is this other person that has been there growing inside for nine months and is coming out and sometimes, you know, my second one came out twisted, everything that you could imagine. I had doctors down there one pushing at the top the other one pushing at the bottom and now pushing i'm like with the epidural i don't know where i've got my legs and so much
1: pushing going
0: on i love pushing and people telling you off because you don't know how to push and i'm like i'm going like headed and they say well you know pushing right you don't know how to push this is my second challenge you know how to push the (laughs) thing is that you have an epidural so you're not feeling your legs and you're pressing with your brain anyways this yeah. is the kind of thing that people do not talk about women you should talk about these moments because it's true I think you so, pull it. yourself you win yourself your insides are the other way around and your baby comes out of your body and there's gunk, there's blood there's all sorts of things going on there and if you're so it, you it, it is but that's how you we are all born through all that mess oh, that and mess. we don't talk uh-huh. about it either yeah. So in, we talk about
1: thing. the good bits, only the good
0: bits. Yeah, and then you're walking like John Wayne. It's like hmm, I've got all these stitches, man, but never mind. I Exactly. Up. I mean, uh, even in even in media, even in
1: film and television, you see that you see uh, there's a you know birth scene, for example, the woman is giving birth, and it's like they say they say like push, push, and he she pushes like two times, and the baby is born. Like. <laughs> no
0: and she knows babies
1: time. are not born in five minutes like that doesn't happen that i never i i haven't given b- birth to anyone but my friends have and none of them none of them gave birth in five seconds like that doesn't happen anytime. any time like uh and the the thing that a lot of the women also they do like uh, there is a visceral, vis- a lot bloody and visceral part to birth as well, and there is this thing called postpartum depression that women oh, also yeah. don't talk about that at all, and now they are starting to, and I think they should talking about it more because uh, this thing, this living being, is leaving your body and leaving you with you know sometimes extra weight and sometimes you know extra hormones and emotions that you can't deal with and uh, all of those things and you you are in a society you're supposed to feel something for this young beautiful creature and uh, sometimes it's hard to do because it's it's unfamiliar to you it's uncanny and um and, and you're supposed to feel love for that being. And it's, I think it's a very hard thing to do. And they, also society tells you that it's a natural thing. You should feel love. You have to feel love because otherwise you're unnatural. And right. uh, these are all stigmas that we should just burn to the ground and yeah. start talking about more. And a lot of uh, a lot of women are all like either commit suicide or you know die because of depression uh, after after birth, and that's a really important topic. And maybe you're a little bit off topic, but maybe we can connect this to Aaron, and Aaron also has a kind of depression after losing the child and uh they are they're even telling her that this child never existed and it's like what i have been carrying this child for a few weeks now like how do you say how do you tell me that it never existed in real life and uh that was a really important moment like birth uh birth was there for a reason i mean they they could have made Aaron, uh, a bachelor why why not why not a bachelorette why yeah. is is she a domestic abuse survivor why is she losing a baby these are all important because this story is about life and death at the same time
0: so and
1: uh, it's about the familiar and the unfamiliar at the same time as well yeah
0: it's really good that you mentioned that yes because there's this parallelism and there are grace in both the time that you are born and the time you live in this world as well so yeah it's important that this is shown and is and it's frustrating when you're watching it even if you you've never experienced maternity yourself you can imagine what it feels like and is this frustration is where we empathize with the characters even if we haven't experienced those moments as you were saying so yeah so (laughs) let continue with uncanny. We are used to this. Oh, my
1: God. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Look yeah, at that and, face. How, what a gorgeous, what a gorgeous looking creature. Yeah,
0: That's You yeah, mentioned well, him Hobbit. on part three. So you mentioned, um, this is Stephen King's um, Salem's, Salem's Lost.
1: Lost. Salem's Lost. Yes, exactly. I have mentioned.
0: And have this mentioned. is one of my traumatizing series. <laughs> i know i loved it it. my mom keeps asking why do i like horror and the gothic and i said well mom you made me watch this (laughs) 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 with the vampires let's sit down and watch it and i remember this freaked me out and this is actually the kind of vampire that we are more used to or we used to be used to the the less romanticized side of things so we were used to this and then we were used to this. We we're used to exorcists, yes, so we're used to these, and fathers and <laughs> Linda Blair, not. Reagan, <laughs> exactly. But what we're not used to, and this is where the uncanny comes to play in Midnight Mass, is this the blaze? Is this, yes, this is uncanny. This is what uncanny is in
1: a frame. Like you yeah. can, you can frame this and put in, put it on under your wall, and under it you can say Mike Flanagan on Kenny, and it's like a work of art, and it is a work of art. But also, it, it can be a work of art in the form of, you know, a, a painting, and this is so weird that it could have been any other clothing. It could have been anything. It could have been a black robe it could have been everything but why a priest's robe on an on a vampire like this is so uncanny i mean come on absolutely. come on now
0: absolutely and it's we lovely have it's head. a
1: lovely lovely scene <laughs> love not not lovely but it's a lovely screen grab it's a lovely shot yes yes it's,
0: it's great how we have the one here dead that is going to wait a minute he's going to come back don't 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 go don't go, don't, don't, be go don't be afraid
1: don't be afraid i i
0: like love
1: you? that i love that <laughs> i love that he just goes like don't be afraid don't be afraid my people like how can i not be afraid like look at this creature for god's sake you're telling me that this is an angel like, are you mental? <laughs> how is that possible? <laughs>
0: one yeah, yeah it is just... this Satan thing. He knows he never talks the bloody thing, and he knows that look, look at me, I'm just an angel. How, how, I'm still, I'm an not, angel I'm of the world. How... Yeah, so this is absolutely uncanny. How does he talk to the priest? I don't know because he doesn't speak. This thing doesn't speak i think so, yeah. i think
1: they they are i think they communicate you know like the telepathically people. or something like that no. yeah well,
0: i think so because, they're because they're... we
1: we never see it speak no never yeah we no, never see it speak
0: yeah no, it's, it's just a voiceless can... creature and yes he can go there in the church and so by flanagan by doing these also is Breaking some stereotypes about vampires because he's actually inside the church. It should be burning right yeah. now, and he's
1: not exactly. He, he should, he should be burning. <laughs> and he should be not, burning, gonna... not not being there in a in a uh, priest robe and just you know casually chilling. Uh, he should be burning because he yeah. he's in he's in a church. I That's mean,
0: right. but he then... breaks the rule. Yeah. then you also you know you normally see this creature that it can be very an animalistic and when he's feeding mm-hmm. it doesn't really even if you look at him it continues feeding it just it's very primitive you know and yet
1: yeah.
0: it presents itself like look at me so like a, a coherent being so he's got these two sides and I'm, it really puzzles me so again even the behavior of him is uncanny because. Is is an animal? Is is a monster? He just it behaves by instincts, but at the same time, he's playing the rules of the game, of social game, by being there. Yeah. Yeah. How weird is that? So that makes you so uncomfortable. That's the uncanny again in there, in, in the behavior, even.
1: Exactly. I mean, this creature can kill everyone in that room, like yes. everybody, but he doesn't do that he listens to father paul and he basically makes these people make uh, ma- he ba- makes these people into vampires like himself yeah. and also that that may speak to the speak to the feeling of feeling alone you know that Ooh. even a creature like him can feel alone in this world And maybe that's why he made Father Paul a vampire as well, because uh, solitary life is not for anyone. Like, it's not for even even vampires. And uh, maybe he just wanted someone to share immortality, the eternity with him. And Mm -hmm. then this man comes along, Father Paul, and uh he feels maybe sorry for him, maybe he sees him as a co- uh as a kind of like companion, but he actually accepts to go with him on a crate to crockett island that's i mean true. he he could refuse at any moment he could leave at any moment, but he doesn't It doesn't so yeah. that's that's speaks volumes to me about the uh, eternal life being not so fun by yourself.
0: Yeah, that's true. I've not thought of that either. You know, you're making me think a lot in these two episodes. <laughs> it's it's so, <laughs> it's so true. Yes, you I'm make me think of... a lot. I don't like it. <laughs> no, no, I love it because yeah. <laughs> well, no, I'm thinking damn, damn, I didn't think of that myself. But no, no, it's so true. I'm not thought of. Uh, <laughs> From, there, from the side of the monster because I saw this animal instinct all the time i not thought if any pony had some kind of uh, rational thinking and even emotional you know rational I'm not sure but emotional for sure not but maybe yes it doesn't show any loving care why you know as you said what is their relationship with father uh, father Paul and why him and not someone else. What was he doing there in that cave in the first place? Is he really a falling yeah. angel or is he a falling something of a form? Probably yes. What was he doing there in his own? Was he about to die as well? Was you know maybe they could do a second part of Midnight Mass and tell us the story of this thing of this vampire. Yeah, yeah why not? Uh, so hey mm, there are possibilities if they want it because we have these open ends as well that we don't know what's gonna happen with it. Survivors. So if they wanted, yeah. they can continue with with these, and then maybe maybe tell us the story of the vampire and what happens to him at the end, and if there are any more like him, or if maybe he was the last one of his species. So much to, yeah, you know, know, so many things, so many questions that come in your in your head.
1: Exactly, so many questions unanswered. Uh, mm. But maybe that's the that was the uh, purpose all along, to. Yeah leave us question to leave us you know question what this creature was and i think we talk about this in episode one or two uh we talked about like maybe he is an angel i mean he can be an angel the 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 tv show never never says never says for sure that it's a vampire i mean it's just up in the air it's for us to decide if it's a vampire or an angel and what difference I mean if you read the Old Testament as I said before there is no difference actually between an angel and a vampire they are wrathful and Michael slays you know and uh, he's the commander of the army of God and you know there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, violence uh, committed by angels uh Mm -hmm. in a lot of holy books actually and Mm -hmm. so the so you question so you question if the if it's really uh an angel or not it could be it could be why not
0: so again that's the uncanny there as we were saying before yeah uncanny
1: because we are not we are expecting an angel to be kind of like a from a michelangelo painting you know like uh, naked and just like with wings and like a baby, but we are not expecting this at yes. all. Like we are not yeah. expecting this, like creature from Salem's Lot to to be an angel. And we like, for example, we when we talk about an angelic smile, an angelic face, we're not looking at this. We're not talking about this. We are talking yes. about something. Beautiful. And uh, so this is uncanny
0: for us, uh, regarding That's an angel, how an angel should look. That's so true. Yes. Yeah. So I think now it's clear if anybody had doubts about what the uncanny is. Now, I think with these examples, I think it's a lot clearer. <laughs> Absolutely. This is uncanny. Yeah, it is. And now it, this brings us to identity, which is then, and we've talked about it somehow already, the perception that we have about ourselves and so my own mm-hmm. perception about me but also the perception that the others have of me and and between us all the, the different points of view. it so this is what I would like to talk about and again I'm going to mention again Tracy because she has this quote this time on Christopher and she talks about the self as being a liminal entity during this process of objection its boundaries break down, it becomes a sire of contested territory. And in doing so, central ideas of identity, autonomy, and agency are called into question. So is this moment of uh, where we object our bodies, just talking here about the body and the perception that we have our own body being um, ourselves, and, and if we are trapped in our bodies as well, and that we are limited in physically, but also when we break down these these um, boundaries and and how then our identity identity also changes. Um, but there's also Carl Jung talking about Jung again and the shadow self. I think in the series, where this is a translation because I'm reading currently. This is in English as well. Is meeting the shadow, and this mm-hmm. is the Spanish because I also do programs in Spanish and and I thought, well, I'll read it in Spanish to talk about these in in another place about it. But in that book, we have that um, this is a free translation from one of the parts here that says that each of us projects a shadow. this is a quote from Carl Jung that um, each of us projects a shadow that is dark and more compact, the less embodied it is in our conscious life. And that the shadow mm-hmm. constitutes for all intents and purposes an unconscious impediment that spoils our best intentions now this is being translated from german to spanish and now i've done the translation from spanish to english so it could well be that the uh, the english version of the translation is not exactly like this so be aware that this is um you know two-way <laughs> direction translation so yes i think um in this show, if we think from Christopher's point of view, the body, but also we think of Carl Jung, the shadow self. I think yeah. we pretty much cover here the this idea of how the characters portray themselves, but also how the others talk about them. Um, I don't know what you think before I move to the images, what would you like to add about identity well, I, and would,
1: I would like to add about identity where identity is important because it's about the self and mm-hmm. the other is the opposite of the self and you know the condition and the quality of otherness you know yeah. uh, of being the other is the state of being different from an alien to the social identity of a person and to the identity of the self myself and uh, the, I think the term otherness identifies and refers to the characteristics of who and what of the other, which are you know, distinct uh, from the symbolic order of things, from the real and uh, from the aesthetic and uh, from political philosophy to from social norms and social identity and from the self. So therefore, the condition of otherness is a person's nonconformity to and within with the no- social norms of society, and the otherness is the condition of disenfranchisement, enfranchisement, uh, well, political exclusion, affected either by the state or by the social institutions invested uh, with the corresponding social political power, and therefore. The imposition of otherness Elini is person, the person labeled as the other, from the center of society and places them at the margins of society for being the other. And other is uh, the 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 whole talk about other starts with Edmund Husserl, and a, a very important name in in when talking about otherness uh Husserl is a important name and um well in in this case we have a lot of others we have a lot of people in the margins on the show uh yeah. when you talk about it that way we have riley uh who is pushed to the margins because he was in in the prison for killing someone and then we have the creature that was you know, there's already in the margins because it's the other and uh, it's the ultimate other. And we have uh, anyone who is different because there is a close knit society there. There is a close knit religious society. And we talked about Sarah before, the doctor. The doctor doesn't believe in anything. She's an atheist as we can see. And she's a, a queer person. And mm-hmm. uh, these are all important because you know that that becomes a queer and other is very yeah. in, interrelated. Mm-hmm. So we have others in the show where uh when they decide that they do not believe anymore, Aaron and Sarah's mother are also pushed to the margins. They are pushed yes. from Bev's social circle of you know firm believers. And uh, they're pushed to, even pa- Father Paul is pushed to the margins by Bev by the end of the series as the other. So yeah. we have a lot of others on the show. So if we can go to the next slide. I don't know what's evading us. I'm really excited. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah no, you're right. It's difficult to separate identity from otherness because yeah. uh, it, we can only define our identities when we put them, we contrast them with all of course, the people's of identities. but yeah, no, i think we need to recuperate that idea again when we talk about otherness in in another session but definitely mm-hmm. it, it 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 influences identity but yes i was thinking of identity more from a simple point of view without you know even the otherness aspect mm-hmm. almost i find although we were saying before it's difficult sometimes to divide things so clearly because in the gothic of everything course, blends yeah. But when we just think about the identity and um, the construct of what people see from us, you know, you ha- we have family and community, for example, and then we have self-perception. So when we're talking about you think about Riley, you mentioned before, and his family, the relationship with his family and the expectations mm-hmm. that the family have from him about him. He's there. He's been dragged into this church because he doesn't want to be there he doesn't even know if he believes yeah. anymore so that's again yeah, identity is what my family makes me and they have these very awkward conversations all the time the mom is trying to let's go to church and and he's like oh, really and the father is always uh, you know you can tell he's not um his expectations regarding his son are higher and he's been disappointed so all those things as a as a child, you don't want to disappoint your parents. So your identity yeah, starts right. building up with all those elements. And he's been dragged there against his will. He's an adult already, but he wants to please his parents. So all those elements bring and make you who you are, which is actually what Carl Jung and and the, in his followers nowadays, people who still Uh, use Carl Jung for the therapy and for uh, the investigations, Uh, the Jungian uh, students, they they say, you know, when you're talking about yourself, uh, who are you really? And all this, your true self gets repressed because if you don't please the people around you, then it's when you're creating all these dark sides, then maybe all these repressed people are actually showing their real identities in this so extreme strange situation with this monster which then we'll be talking about self-perception like beth that exactly. her perception is like i'm such a good person you're all corrupt and you're all gonna die because this is what the bible says and she always backs up her arguments and turns things to her own yeah, so we don't really know where she comes from. we don't really know her yeah, we have
1: hardly. no idea who she is beyond beyond her belief uh belief systems and it is so interesting and uh like, well considering identity, you know. Uh, Psychology Today has, of course, uh, published a lot of articles on this uh, subject and uh, identity includes like many relationships between, you know, Mm -hmm. people people cultivate such as their identity as a child, as a friend, as a, you know, parent, as a partner and it involves external characteristics over which a person has little or no control such as you know height and socioeconomic class and identity mm-hmm. also encompasses political opinions moral attitudes and religious beliefs all of which guide the choices one makes uh, on a daily basis and in this case you know Bev is a character that is driven by her religious beliefs her identity is formed around belief. But it's such a belief that it's a blind kind of faith. It's not, she's not thinking clearly. She's not thinking that, for example, after she sees that Father Paul killed the town drunk, she just goes into, like, we should clean this up, we should bury this body. She doesn't go. Oh no, this is a sin. You killed someone. Which you should have done. As a, you know, as a religious person, that is the first thing that she should have done. But she doesn't do that. Because she she has this blind faith to Father Paul. And yeah. uh, because he believes that this is an angel, because he believes that this is a miracle, she also believes that this is a miracle, and this is the mm. Monsignor that was sent to them by God, and um, so apart from apart from her being a religious person, overt, overtly religious person, uh, we know nothing about that. We know uh, if we know a lot of things for, uh, about a lot of people on the show. Uh, This is a character... This is a show that's character-driven. A lot of... There are a lot of characters. Of course, sometimes it's uh, it's very hard to keep track of who's who on the show. But, you know, Bev is one of the standouts, but we have no idea who she is. We don't know. We just know that she believes blindly. And that... uh, In her beliefs, she can even sacrifice Father Paul when it comes down to it. And uh, when we look at family and community, uh, as I said before, identity is formed within the community, within the social order. I mean, we we come to this world with some characteristics, of course, but our entire identity is formed around the people that we live with people yeah. that that are around us i am this way because of the people that raised me and because of the society that i am around and uh, so feminine and community is important in that way uh, while like wh- when structuring your identity is really important uh, in this aspect and riley even though even though he loses faith at one point, after coming back to family and community, even he starts he starts questioning if I really believe. I mean, maybe I didn't lose my faith. It's just it's within reach. Maybe it is within reach. And Aaron, whose entire persona is formed around you know the community is she starts questioning the community after she loses the child. And uh, these are all important aspects of identity within the story, I think, within the narrative.
0: Yeah, so true. I mean, from a Jungian point of view, again, um, Beth is the dispersonification of all the repressed things that a person could be, as, as repressed as you could be and because we she's. we don't see as a loving person she doesn't love paul she doesn't even love herself and she doesn't she love just, anyone you know when you when you criticize again she she looks at uh, the Aaron when she's pregnant and you can see the look on her face to get there you had to do something first and you can see how repressed she is and <laughs> she that's is repressed. His, yeah all that's turned out into a monstrosity so she's even accepting this as i said
1: before there there will always be a return of the repressed there will always yeah. be one that's and so return true. of the repressed is the end of the entire series where she goes ballistic and she goes on a killing spree basically yeah. and uh well it it had to happen at one point she you cannot stay repressed she doesn't, she doesn't kill anybody, like... but but she she orders no, no, people she... to kill people, <laughs> and she's she, so her she's her. a she's a kind of mass murderer. <laughs> well,
0: you know, I'm saying that she doesn't she doesn't love anybody. Know that she kills everybody with with just speaking. Which is, yeah, yeah. yeah the, but she doesn't actually show love towards anybody. Yeah, and she that is is someone who. <laughs> If you took it to the chair and put it there, and say a psychologist would have a lot of work to do with it, because yeah, he would, <laughs> would find a lot of rubbish. She has
1: no uh, love left in her, no love. But so we don't even
0: know at some point exactly what her past her childhood was like. Yeah. So for her to become this monster,
1: it had to be it had to be terrible in order yeah. for her to end up this way.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right, so we've been talking about um, the the um, the Uncani and the um, identity, and as we were suspecting, we don't have time for the supernatural and the otherness, but we've mentioned otherness and the other, so that's something we can then elaborate further next time. But people, supporters, thank you very much, supporters. Uh, coffee and it's in coffee land, 1402 let's do that and um thank you again to che because this was so enlightening and thank again, you so for fantastic. having fantastic no it's, it's been great really it just made me think of a lot of the stuff to keep doing research with a little candle i will never leave
1: this i will i will lead my life with this forever <laughs> With now i will go everywhere going. i will go to my lectures at school like this
0: you <laughs> might bring you a good luck. you never know It might bring you good. Luck. you never know you never know feeling really, i'm just talking about the next program with alica and this is inspiration you
1: know they're like what are you doing with that and i'm like what if there is a electricity cut? <laughs> what happens then <laughs> i have this <laughs> What do you have? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's wonderful. It's great
0: that we can also be funny talking about serious uh, subjects. Have some fun. Uh, so yeah. please, people, support, but also follow. Follow sure, chairs, this this uh, Twitter and Twitter and Instagram and follow everything because she does a lot of other things that are very interesting. And uh, have you started your new job, by the way? I never asked. Yeah, I I I
1: started my new job. Yes, that's true. I started as a research and teaching assistant at the university. So uh as I said, I will go to the lectures like this. <laughs> they will be like, She's weird. She's weird. <laughs> yeah, but uh joking aside, uh it was it was such a pleasure to be on your show again uh and uh i had so much fun we should do do, do this again sometimes for sure i mean we will talk about otherness and supernatural we have a lot of things to talk about guys folks listen to us more
0: we need to yes we need to spread the voice a little bit more and uh, we're gonna be doing if you keep an eye on the next days we're gonna be and uh, doing a live session where you can come and ask questions and then that's a lot of learnings again for you personalized classes it'll be live and we'll we we'll just have to agree on the day but for now we just um, give you the heads up so you can start planning and thinking and throw some questions you can just send us anything you would yeah. like to talk about that we might have missed or a point of view which is also very interesting people always see things that we might have not seen yeah um, I love that I love when that happens yeah, yeah me too because you learn so much more as well and then you just start discovering more things uh, about what we're talking about as well and um, it's awareness it's all about awareness so this is all all my links the new logo yippee let's remove that one mm-hmm. ah. I love that thank you that was, I had just an inspiration and I thought, let's change things around. Let's make the, uh, the message clearer. And that was part of that process. So <laughs> there we go, right? Yeah, so... I, love, I
1: love the message.
0: Thank you. Well, it's all about identity. I think Alice in Gothic Land is turning into that space. The, the Gothic is very broad, as we've been talking about and you described so well in episode three and but my mission, you know, we all have a mission. So I guess my mission here is to help others to figure out their identity when they go into the dark side. Not, don't not be afraid. Don't be afraid of uh, scary stories or feeling that you're angry with something or talking about death and talking about uncomfortable bodily things because there there's actually parts of our identity too. And we don't want to become Beths. So let's talk about these things that are uncomfortable so we don't become monsters and share with others. So it's always good fun as well. So well, thank you very much, Suchi. I'm really looking forward to the supernatural elements and more thank you. And characters. And when we talk about the characters, we be, we will talk a lot about Beth, <laughs> the characters that have a voice and the characters yeah, that don't we have
1: as always
0: (laughs) they are like that yeah okay then so thanks a lot and see you next episode episode five will be the next one see you see you all gothic horror fans bye 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 thank you